Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're live today here on WIPR. You can reach us 410-662-8780 or email us foremanwolf at wipr.org. And we're doing a program about where we want to be, which is on vacation. <laughs> yes. Would be our, nice. Our, our, yeah, that's uh, our profession is kind of unrelenting. There's not so many vocations, uh, vocations, so many vacations. But uh, gosh, it's nice to think about, and once in a while you get a chance to uh, to take one. And since we try to we we travel with a priority belly first, right? Oh, definitely. There's there's no question. What's your priority, Tony? What are you dreaming about if you could go on vacation? Uh, right now, um, uh, I mean, it's hot. It's Baltimore. It's July. So you think about pools, and just think about pools in uh, in Sicily, you know, near Taormina. <laughs> that's where you think about a pool yeah. in Sicily. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. very exotic. I didn't expect yeah. you to say where that. I can, right, where I, where I, like I can it. see the Mediterranean. It's a saltwater right. pool, and <laughs> and awesome. uh, you know, this you can get. Uh, Rosato, uh, glasses of Rosato from Narella Mascalese, uh, from Aunt Etna, that you can see in the background. And, and yeah, that's yeah, nothing I, like I, seeing th- a, I think about being in the an pool. active volcano on your vacation. That's pretty cool. Well, you, you know, you don't want to go without any tension at all. That wouldn't be, <laughs> that would not be fun. It's such a beautiful, beautiful place. It's, it's a special place to get to visit if, if, if folks haven't been there. Yeah, no, no question. You what can. else is that region known for? Well, I mean that seafood. I mean the Mediterranean is right there. There's a, mm-hmm. you know, that's that. All I can ever think of is uh, when I think of that town, I, I think of the very particular fish crudo. Uh, was it, it was tuna, uh, you know, from the water that day. Um, you know, salt from that sea, <laughs> uh, olive oil from the grove above, uh, lemon from one of those gigantic lemons, mm. uh, some some of the, the peel, and the peel is almost sweet on those big lemons that you see there, and uh, and a, a variety of, of chopped herbs, uh, a little bit of fresh savory that wasn't dry and, and, and strange, and little tiny capers, and very, very, very simple. And sort of just scooping that up on on uh, pieces of bread crust. That you sounds know. very good and very Almost. sort of romantic and lovely and peaceful and just sounds wonderful, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's you know sort of like you know on the square in Taormina and and uh, you know a, a glass of some spumante. You know, you got to have some bubbles too, right? Mm-hmm. And well, anyway, you you let us know. Um, uh, give us a ring. We're live four ten six six two eight seven eight zero. Let us know what is your like. Where is it you wish to be at this moment in time? Uh, you know, wh- what are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you seeing? Uh, because I guess it's uh, it, Cindy. It's our midsummer fantasy program. I guess. Well, and and I think we're all living off of our memories. We have been for quite some time, you know, whether it's a trip to the mountains in North Carolina or, 
you know, the pool in Sicily, um, you know, or wherever you like to go. Uh, I think we've all been living off of those memories. So, uh, you know, it also would be fun to hear what memories people have that, that they would like to, you know, either relive and actually go back to or would like to relive from the standpoint of creating that meal in their home because they can't go. So, I mean, I think that's another way of looking at it. Um, you know, you and I can't go on vacation. We just, just opened a new restaurant and we're very busy and we're short on staff and that's the way that it is right now. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we could always recreate some of those dishes and wonderful memories. Um, so I guess I would ask people to call us and, and let us know if we can help you, uh, you know, with one of those dishes that you might like to recreate. So 410-662-8780 is how to reach us or email us foremanwolf at wipr.org. And so how about you, Send? Where is your, where is your food and wine vacation of the moment? I, I, I wish so much that I could go to France. I, I just, I miss that inspiration for me and I miss the, just the pure joy of getting to eat the food at my favorite places. And I miss seeing the countryside of France. I, I just, I love how old it is and love seeing all the beautiful villages and the greenery and the trees and things that are different from what we look at here. and getting to talk with people from a different culture and just getting to even just hear their voices, even if I can't understand what they're saying. I just love to be in a foreign country. Um, so I really, really wish I could go to um, my, you know, one of my favorite chef, one of them is Michel Guerrard. And I sort of, I posted on Instagram, one of the, my favorite dishes that I've had there. And it was on my last trip, which was, he made a torchon, out of goose foie gras as well as duck foie gras. And uh, I mean, you can see it right in the photograph, the difference between the two. I mean, the visual aspect is very different and the taste is different. And it is is just a joy to get to taste both types of those at the same time. And then he has all these amazing little compotes and accompaniments on the plate with it. And then a little uh, a piece of truffle bread that just, you know, shoots it over the moon in experience and happiness and fantastic taste. So I would love to go there because his place is in the countryside and um, it's pretty easy to get to, you know, even if you don't feel like renting a car, you can fly from Paris to Bordeaux and then take a car from Bordeaux to the hotel. And it's a little over an hour. It's about, it's almost two hours away. Um, it's a pretty drive through the countryside. It, it goes by pretty quickly and then you end up at this just amazing place because his, and, and probably something we could all use, his place, his hotel is, is in a spa, is a spa, a real spa because the water baths are there. And um, uh, they're, you know, healing baths and people have been going there for centuries to heal. So maybe that's also another good reason right now for someone to go there. And I mean, their spa facilities are amazing and just being there, I mean, just being on the grounds of this beautiful, beautiful, and in this beautiful little village is, uh, I think, healing in itself and the happiness that you feel when you're there. Yeah, That's it's fine. Reminding me of a place I wanted to vacation. I stopped for uh, a work trip um, on the way to Bordeaux uh, up in the Pyrenees mm. and uh, visiting a, a favorite grower in Gironson and Basque Country. Um, which is, a, which is an unusual wine. Uh, Jurancon is J-U-R-A-C-O-N. And the C has that little tail in it that's called a sedilla. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And it's a, a big, ripe, but firm white wine uh, that does well with a lot of strong flavored foods. And, uh, and, and there's also a, a dessert wine that's made from uh, Jurançon. That's pretty remarkable. It's more for cheese than it is for sweets, though, just because of the acid level. And um, th there's a, like a little, it's more like your friend that has a big country house and had probably six rooms in it and one big patio. And a communal table, and uh, it was you know I I think on that particular trip, the the group that I had were all you know all some of our wine staff from different places, mm -hmm. and you know we I think we occupied half of the place, and uh, to okay. to sit out on that patio and watch the, you know this is this is September right before harvest and and to watch the sun come down there and beautiful, uh, yeah that, remarkable. Those are such amazing experiences. So, Ted, tell us yours. You can reach us 410-662-8780 or email us foremanwolf at wipr.org. And uh, let's let's talk to Eugene. Eugene, how are you? Oh, Eugene says goodbye. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, so he his, uh, his Messages about going to Newport, Rhode Island for Jazz Fest. Have you ever been oh. up there, Sand? No, I haven't. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah that it's. He it says three things: scenery, music, and lobster. There you go. <laughs> would you tra Would you travel for lobster? I, I would actually. I, I absolutely would. I'd like to get lobster that came right out of the water. That would be pretty amazing. I mean, we get ours pretty quickly here, but it's didn't just come out of the water. You know, five minutes ago or whatever. So it would be fun to. You know, my aunt and uncle used to live in Connecticut. I went, I went to culinary school in New York and I used to visit them a lot. And that was one of their favorite things to do was to um, boil lobsters. And we would sit out on the back porch and my aunt would, you know, they had a huge garden. My uncle was an amazing gardener and um, he had grown, he grew up on a farm in York, Pennsylvania. And um, so he really knew what he was doing. And uh, she, you know, we'd have something from the garden, whatever that was, fresh vegetables, lettuce, or all of the above. And then, and corn, he always grew corn. And, um, and then we would just have these, you know, boiled lobsters with drawn butter. And, oh, my God, it's just absolutely delicious and fun. It's fun to pick, you know, crack open a lobster. Let's take a call from Betsy. She's looking for a tip that's up your alley. And Hi, Betsy, Betsy, how are you? I'm great. Thanks. So what go you, ahead. What's your question? Um, well, I'm totally new to French cooking, and I tried to make a, a bird sauce, and I know I'm not saying it right, but, um, and it was a total bust, and so I just wanted to know how do you make a very standard um, white white sauce like that at home? The beurre blanc? Beurre blanc. Um, yeah, that... You, the biggest thing with making beurre blanc is understanding that you don't want the butter to separate. So your butter needs to be cut into small pieces, like maybe the size of a couple tablespoons of butter. It has to be cold. And you also want to buy the best butter, best quality butter. And I would buy unsalted butter as well uh, that you can afford. And um, you need a little bit of cream uh, because you're only going to put like a tablespoon in. So you really only need a little bit of heavy cream um, and you need shallots, uh, bay leaf and peppercorn. And I like to put fresh lemon juice and lime juice in my beurre blanc. I tip, I often serve my beurre blanc with 
fish or seafood because it's just such a perfect thing together. And um, sometimes I, if I put Berblanc on with a piece of meat, the acid in the Berblanc also helps to, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, organize the food a little bit better. So uh, you are going to reduce and you need white wine. So a good quality white wine, not something expensive, but not something cheap. You want to want to drink it. It needs to be good enough to drink. So um, you reduce down the white wine with finely chopped shallots, like two bay leaves, like five black peppercorns. And let's say for, you know, six people, you would do four cups of wine reduced down. And then you would add that, like that tablespoon of, uh, of, uh, of cream right at the very end. And then you mount in and you constantly move around in the pan, the cold butter and um, on low, low heat. So it doesn't separate. And then you strain it and finish it well. You can add the lemon and lime juice and then you strain it and only add a tiny bit of lemon and lime. You don't want it to like overpower and, um, and then uh, strain it and then either serve it right away, which is obviously the best thing for you to do, or you have to hold it in a bain-marie situation, which is a pot with warm water in it and preferably something else and then put the container of the Berblanc in there and hold it on either on the back of a hot stove, like maybe your oven's on at 350, that might be warm enough to hold it or just hold it on very, very, very low heat. So that's that's one of the best sauces ever for seafood and a lot of other things. Wonderful. Oh, I'm glad you like that sauce. Good for you cooking French food. I'm trying. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's a, it can be, well, it is a lifelong adventure if you, if you get into it. Absolutely. Another nice thing with Berbalanc is that you can you can play with it lots of ways. You can throw a whole bunch of fresh tarragon finely chopped in there, and right. it sends it in one direction. Uh, you can add a tiny little drop of, of vinegar to the white wine, and that you know, firms it up a little bit for something that has stronger flavor. Let's say you're yeah. making it, but you want it for salmon. I've you know, added tomato so. paste to it, a little tiny bit of yeah. tomato paste, which is really good. Um, you know, We've even just yeah. put Tabasco in there. Um, yeah, the, the, yeah. the the acid is important though. Yes, absolutely. the acid is important. Which what, what you're making is uh, almost like an exotic vinaigrette. <laughs> mm -hmm. So all right. Um, thanks, Betsy. Yeah, thank you for the call, thank Betsy. So much. So we'll have more calls when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WIPR. We're talking about uh, vacation, food and wine travel, and uh, throwing a few tips in. This is Spencer Bryan on 88.1 WYPR. Right now, you're listening to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're live today. We're taking your calls, 410-662-8780. Or email us, foremanwolf at wipr.org. And we were talking about, you know, food and wine getaways, food and wine intended uh, vacation travel and uh, and having a, a moment of fantasy about that. <laughs> and, <laughs> it is a and, fantasy. Uh, or, 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 or maybe uh, 150 of them or so. I want to go back to Vienna. Oh, I want to fun. go back and, and have that 
tort, if you recall me soccer talking tort. about. Yeah. No, not the soccer oh. tort, but oh. at, at the Red Room in the hotel soccer, uh, that the tort with the pheasant. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. And the apricots and the pistachio and the, uh, and, and all the charcuterie and all, all that sort of business. Like you, you just know that this is like the very best of medieval cooking. Right. Or, or maybe at, at, at its most advanced Baroque cooking or something. Mm. And to have that and... Uh, Especially on a warm day like this, like a, a sunny day, uh, sit outside and have a glass of really cold, dry, clean Gruneva dinner. Sounds delicious. Yes, yes. Let's right. let's talk to Mary in Baltimore. Mary, how are you? Hi, Mary. Hi, I'm well. How are you? Good. 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 Uh, my husband and I just came back from an absolutely amazing trip to Hawaii. Uh, oh. It's the first time we've gotten to travel in a couple of years. And the one thing that really stood out to us was the sushi that you can get in Honolulu was incredible. But I don't know anything about buying fish to try and make my own sushi at home for us now that we're, you know, back stateside. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering what kind of suggestions you may have. The biggest thing with buying uh, fish, because obviously you're eating it raw, is to... Um absolutely trust who you're buying it from. And you, if you're buying whole fish, uh, you want the eyes to be clear, the gills to be red, and the flesh to be firm. And for it to smell good. Um, <laughs> and those are, those are the biggest qualifications for a whole fish. If you're buying already filleted fish, um, again, you want the, the, fish to be, the flesh to be springy. Um, you definitely want it to smell good because you're really going to be able to smell it. Uh, and um, for the color to be right, if you're buying tuna, you know, you want it to be that beautiful sort of purpley, burgundy color. And also uh, the other thing with buying fish that has a bloodline in it, you want that bloodline or that bit of blood that's in the center of the fish um, to be, again, a reddish, a red color, a, a purpley, ready red color that is not turning brown. Um, if it's turning brown, that piece of fish is old. Uh, and also you want fresh fish for that. I, I you know, that, I mean, uh, yeah. not frozen, obviously you want to buy something that's fresh, but really it's, it's a lot of, in the end, oftentimes it's a lot of instinct. And if you, you know, use your senses, your vision, your eyes and your sense of smell, you're going to get a good sense of whether or not, yep, I can eat that raw or not. Mm-hmm. And the, the, what kind of wine would you recommend serving with some, some sushi, like with salmon or tuna? It uh, depends a little bit upon the preparation. I was just going to say, I think one of the, uh, I, I'll, I'll jump to that in one second. The quality rice that you buy, getting very specifically the right rice, cooking it correctly and seasoning it correctly, um, that, that the rice is a very big piece of that. I think a lot of times, uh, and and I don't think in Honolulu anyone would, because it's, you know, it's, it's all Pacific Rim cooking, the quality of the rice and how it's seasoned is a very big deal. A lot of times this stuff can run pretty sweet when you're having it from um, sushi places that are less familiar with that sort of thing. And you end up covering up the fish. A lot of the seasonings can cover up the fish. And what, when what you want is the beautiful fish and just an accent. Um, so jumping back to the wine, the thing that, that I found sneaky successful is a grape that Cindy just can't stand. Uh-huh. Viognier. That's right, Viognier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is a white wine. There's a white wine. 
<laughs> it's just fun to invoke it just to get just to get the reaction. You can't see your face, but I can. Not happy. Um, Viognier is, is a grape that is native uh, originally to <clears throat> the northern Rhone Valley. And uh, Condrieu is the place that it, it originates from. But you see it in a lot of the south of France uh, from different producers and blends sometimes. And also from the central coast of California. And Viognier is sneaky terrific with sushi. Well, that's fabulous. Uh, I think that I have a project now to figure out uh, for maybe a nice meal next weekend. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. That, that's great. What What was your favorite, other favorite thing you ate while you were in Hawaii? Uh, the fruit there, you just cannot oh. beat. Mm. We had acai bowls probably like every morning. It was incredible. It's like, it's, it's almost like, um, you can't even compare it. The mangoes, the the pineapple, um, the berries themselves, they make them into sorbets and whips and all kinds of things. And all of it is just the sweetest, most amazing fruit you've ever had. Did, did you uh, see the pineapple fields when you were there? We did. We went to the Dole Plantation. Uh, that was, we didn't do the tour, but it was fun. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I I've only been to Hawaii once. I was I was in like senior high, and um, I just I, I will never forget. That was a long time ago, and I will never forget seeing the fields of pineapples. It was just really really beautiful. I, I think that's the other thing about Hawaii: the vegetation and everything, all the flora, just so beautiful, so green, so lovely. I mean, you must have loved that trip. Oh, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was mind blowing. I'd go back in an instant if it was free, but it definitely wasn't free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, thanks, Mary. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you for calling. Thank you so much. Bye bye. So, we're live today. We're talking about uh, food and wine vacation. Hawaii sounds like a good one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the passion fruit that comes from there or that you can have there. Uh, Lilikoi, amazing stuff. That's one of my favorite things in the world, passion fruit. Uh, and it's so fun to actually get the fresh fruit and to cut it open and see what it looks like. It's so beautiful and it's such a surprise when you cut them open and you see it's like a it's like a pocket, a pocket in this wonderful like velvety sort of covering and once you cut it open and you know you have to spoon it out of there and it sort of clings to that velvety interior and you just never think you can eat all those seeds and it's actually kind of fun to eat the seeds. You don't have to. You could certainly pass it through a sieve and just get the juice out or put it in a blender with a little bit of liquid and just gently blend it so you're just taking the, fr the, the juice and the fruit off of the seed. But it's kind of fun to crunch the seeds and they're beautiful. The whole thing, yeah, passion fruit is just, wow, one of the most, and mango, she was talking about mango. I, I'd like to have some sliced mango with some passion fruit right now. That would be really amazing. I, I, I'm imagining a dish in your future. Yes. The, uh, so you can join the conversation 410-662-8780 uh, and let us know about your past trip that was marvelous, food and wine, or, or future one, if there's, is there the wine region that you're dying to go to? Mm -hmm. Is it the Colchaga Valley in Chile or something? Let's, uh, let's talk to Greg on the Eastern Shore. Greg, how are you? Hi, Greg. I'm good today. Hello. How are you folks doing today? Good, thank good. you. Good. I just want to start with a brief shout-out for your uh, theme music, the Take 5 by Dave Brubeck. It's 
Music mm-hmm. is very close to my heart. I studied for two years with the drummer on that recording, Joe Morello. So oh, every time I nice. hear your show, I have a warm association and a, and a memory of a good friend. So oh, that's nice. Thanks for that. Thank you. Yeah, he's superb. Oh yeah. Uh, un- Great drum solo above- on that tune. Oh yeah. But they're definitely one of those guys that understood above, above all that uh, keeping time is the point. No doubt. No doubt. He had the heartbeat going at all times. Mm. Well, Tony so what's plays your, the what's drums. Your, <laughs> oh, only for 50 years. <laughs> so Greg, right, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Greg, what's your, what's your story? So, um, about 20... 20 something years ago, maybe 22 years ago, I made several trips to Taos, New Mexico uh, with a mm-hmm. project I was involved with there and, uh, and loved it. And I had a meal there that I never forgot. And it was something so fundamental and basic. It was huevos rancheros for kind of mm-hmm. a brunch. And, uh, you know, it's just the, somehow the freshest salsa and perfect eggs and, um, I'm not sure if I'm not really a wine in the morning guy, but uh, I suppose there could be a wine that would pair perfectly with that. But, uh, you know, if you have any reflection on on, on uh, Huevos Rancheros or some related, you know, masterpiece Mexican dish, that would be great. Mm-hmm. The I mean, it, 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 too many responses. Uh, one, the perfect wine pairing for Huevos Rancheros is beer. Mm-hmm. But but something something with good flavor, fresh, very clean, uh, not one of these sweet or fruity iterations. But but uh, yeah, something you know, light, clean, good intensity. Um, and it also depends on I think what you, and 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 how how rich you want it to be, or if you want it to be darker, you would use that for something that had uh, more spice, more heat. You'd need that intensity to stand up to it. But were there, tor- were there tortillas served with your huevos rancheros? I'm sure there were, yes. Mm-hmm. To me, that getting the fresh masa and making the fresh tortillas, that, that the quality of tortillas is sort of the holy grail. Everything else is just thoughtful cooking. Um, you know, that's, uh, the, I mean, if, if there are beans on that plate, it's, they require care. You know, if, if it's eggs, how fresh are they? Uh, the onions, the peppers, you know, how, how, how fresh are they? Uh, the difference between cutting an onion that's just been pulled by a farmer and seeing all the juice come out of it and an onion that has been in dry storage for several months somewhere, that's a, that's a world of difference and, and, and a world of, it's just a just different set of flavors. The, those very, very fresh onions, especially if it's like a white onion, very sweet comparatively. Do you want to go back to Taos, or do you think? I, I would certainly love to. Yeah, yeah. There's so many. Uh, there's a lot of eye candy there and real beauty. Uh, you know, there's the uh, Taos Gorge. You know, there's this huge gorge, and then there's this rather slender bridge that goes over it. And so, you know, that's like a butterflies in the stomach moment, and uh, <laughs> a lot of open space. You know, wow. and, and just natural beauty, stone formations, and fields and meadows and you know uh, it's just something very magical about it it's hard to put into words and again it's so different from where we live right so different so different mm-hmm. wonderful to see 
So there, there is a, a, a lady that I worked with for some years that I've neglected to learn from um, named Maria. And Maria is from Guerrero in uh, Mexico, south of Mexico City. And Maria makes spectacular tortillas, just spectacular tortillas. And I finally, I, I have a very early morning lesson with her on exactly what her technique is. And so maybe on a future program, Buzz is back. And, and, and I'll tell you how it went and what I learned. That's exciting, That's Tony. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to that lesson, please. Can I? Find <laughs> me on. Yeah. Maria, Maria likes me. I'm sorry. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just figure it out on our own. Maybe hey, Greg, thanks for the call. On the show. Yeah, right. Exactly. So well, thank you. Thank you thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to uh, uh, Charlotta in Essex. Charlotta, how are you? Hi. Hi, Charlotta Turner here. I love your show, by the way. And um, my favorite memory is of going to Crete um, Mm. and near the Thousand Islands of Greece and going up into the mountains of Crete and having... The most spectacular lamb I've ever had in my life. Mm. How was it prepared? It had mint in it and rosemary and um, some sort of a reduced red wine sauce. That was oh, spectacular. It's a great memory. Hmm. Well, thanks, Charlotte. I plan yeah. on going back to Greece and sail between um, Mykonos, Paros, and Santorini. That sounds beautiful. That sounds like work worth doing. (laughs) It's not that much work. I know a lot of motorboat people think, oh, sailing, oh, too much work, forget it. I just want to get there real fast. No, no. It's just like life. You have to enjoy the ride there, not get there fast. Right. Well, it's also, I mean, you're on the Mediterranean. I, I would like to notice the sun and the wind and hear the water. And I'm not super interested in the sound of the engine. So, mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but we were coming back from the ruins in um, Crete and the sun was setting and... Um, my family is famous for having a homing device for a good restaurant. And I <laughs> said, we're going here because we're going to see the most spectacular sunset. And we did. And the people were so lovely and so inviting and let us try all these dishes. It was phenomenal. That's just awesome. Wonderful experience. I hope you get to go back soon. Oh, I'm going in October next year for sure. Oh, very good. Excellent. I think right. I was I was in Crete last when I was 15 years old, and far and away my strongest memory was having oranges, like five oranges for breakfast one day because I'd never had anything remotely like that. <laughs> wow. Hmm. And, and all of the olive trees that are everywhere, everywhere, mm-hmm. olive trees. Very good. Wow. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you for sharing. So give us a ring when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, 410-662-8780.
Tell us about your travel fantasy, travel experience with food and wine in mind on WIPR. This is 88.1 WYPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're live today. You can reach us to join the conversation, 410-662-8780. We're talking about food and wine travel. We've had some excellent... Uh, stories yeah. so far. It's been fun. And we've got a couple of emails and you can email us formidablewolf at wypr.org. And this one is from JD. I grew up in Baltimore and my grandmother was a fabulous cook. I regret that she is no longer with us and that I never got her to write down how to make a proper Baltimore crab cake. <laughs> the other thing I can't quite nail down is her excellent salmon cake recipe. Grandmothers were so wonderful. I've been trying to reproduce it for years without success. Any ideas are appreciated. I, I can say that I love making salmon cakes. I, I roast the salmon in the oven with a little bit of corn oil, salt and pepper until it's usually just about medium. I don't want it to cook it all the way through because you're going to be cooking it again and you don't want to dry out the fish. So at that temperature, you can also flake it. So once it's cooled down, then... And you don't want to flake it into little tiny pieces, but, you know, it needs to be relatively small. And then I mix that with mayonnaise, whole grain mustard, a little bit of lemon juice, salt and pepper if it needs it. And um, and then from there, you could certainly add anything else that you like. Um, but that's all I do is add that and a little bit of, I use panko for breadcrumb because it's so neutral and it's nice and crispy and it's we actually get a pretty fine panko. Uh, so it does its job um, by keeping the cake from totally falling apart, but I don't put very much in, just enough to keep it from falling apart. And then when I go to serve it, so you want to make the cakes, form them, um, you know, which we just pat them in our hands uh, using sort of your thumb and forefinger as a circle to make the sides nice and flat. You want a flat top, but you want them to be round. And then when we go to serve them, heat up a little bit of corn oil in a, in a nice, you know, nice pan that's not going to stick. Um, it's a well-seasoned pan is the best thing or a coated pan if you have one and um, brown both sides. Well, brown one side, flip it over onto the other side and pop in the oven. And if they're not too big, you can probably heat them and Five minutes, you know, if, if, if it's a smaller cake, four. If it's a little bit bigger, probably six. And um, I like to serve that with, because I like the mustard with the salmon in particular so much, uh, I'll serve it with a cream that has a little bit of whole grain mustard in it. Um, but you can serve it with a Napa cabbage slaw or, um, you know, fried green tomatoes or lots of other things. But that's that's how I make salmon cakes. Uh, my crab cake is actually very, very similar. Um but I put a little Tabasco in there, very, very little breadcrumb. And um, again, mayonnaise, all grain mustard, just a little bit of mustard. I, I never add salt or pepper. You don't need any seasoning with crab for some reason. And um, yeah, and that's crab cake is that's all I put in there is the Tabasco, the whole grain mustard and the mayonnaise and a little breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. As, as you didn't grow up here, you could never say it was a Baltimore crab cake. Right? Yeah, I did not grow up here. An I, and I have no idea how cake. to make a Baltimore crab cake. I, I think that 
You do. There, there are well, there are a million variations, and they're all exactly right. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is all you have to do is ask them. Do, do you what? What's the seasoning in a Maryland crab cake? Super varied, and people okay. will put all, all kinds. Oh, okay. Sometimes there's more onion product. Sometimes there's more or less breading. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's different kinds of breading. Sometimes there's, or, or you know, that uh, sometimes there's a lot of Old Bay in there. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. That sometimes there's, there's Coleman's dried mustard in there. I, I've heard really almost violent arguments about it. <laughs> all right. Well, people could call in and tell, tell their crab cake version that would be nice to hear all right let's go to uh, to liz in chestertown liz how are you hi tony hi sandy hi liz um i was going to call and tell you all about a house i rented 20 years ago in on the edge of vaison la romaine in provence that i had rented now for two years and haven't been able to get to but then the subject of lobsters came up and i <laughs> thought of another story I am from Nova Scotia, so I know my lobsters. Mm. But two years so. ago, two summers ago, 2019, I had my family all with me on vacation on Prince Edward Island in nice. Canada. And yeah. we went out with a guy called Chiasson, or there they call it Chasen. He's one mm-hmm. of five or six generations of amazing fiddlers. But his main job is he's a lobster fisherman. Mm. And when the season is over... He takes out tourists on his big lobster boat with he puts picnic tables in the back of it and he we go out to a place where he has a trap and we pull up lobsters my grandsons helped him dip right there in the ocean for seawater and he had a big uh, propane burner on the boat he cooked those lobsters right out of the water they wow. were so good the best mm. I've ever had Mm. Um, and when he would, he would crack the big claw and he says, does anybody want a lobster shot? And he tipped the, the juices from the claw into your mouth. It was, it was just such a mm. pop of seawater and lobster flavor. The, unbelievable. And they served with, you know, the usual things, potato salad and coleslaw. And I think it was cheesecake for dessert. And he fiddled the whole time that we were eating and it was just a beautiful summer day and so much fun. Gosh, what a great memory. That is That's just amazing. spectacular. <laughs> that sounds that wonderful. Just spectacular. <laughs> My son and his wife was uh, yeah. and we had a wonderful, wonderful time. Mm. I've, so I've never been so motivated time, though, to go north. Vaison la Romaine is a, a, a beautiful little town and uh, oh, is, that, is, that, is that restaurant... Uh, what is it, Milan. Bistro d'eau? Oh, oh, oh. Is that still the there? The Bistro d'eau, is that still there? I don't know. It's been 20 no. years since I've been there, or it will be next year when we go. Uh, we had oh. rented it in 2002, my late husband, for all of his family. Now my grandchildren are old enough to enjoy it, and several of them are in French immersion schools in Canada, so they're ready for that experience, and like I say, I rented it for 2020, and of course that didn't happen. And this year, we, the Canadian side of my family couldn't get there, so we're going next summer. Oh, very good. Enjoy it. Yeah. Thank it's a you. Beautiful, beautiful Thanks, place. Thanks, Liz. Let's let's jump to uh, uh, Phyllis and Towson. Phyllis, how are you? Hi, Phyllis. Hi. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. 
Mm -hmm. um, next year, we're going to Italy. We're returning after a few trips there. We're going to be spending a week in Panzano in Tuscany. And then we'll be doing a week in the Amalfi Coast. We've been to Panzano many times and absolutely love Italy, you know, that part of Italy. So I have two questions. Um, where have you, I know, I think you've, I've heard you speak about it before that you've visited there. What restaurant would you recommend? And then what, re what recommendations do you have for uh, um, dishes from the Amalfi Coast when we get there? In in Panzano exactly, I don't have something that that I favor strongly, um, and and what I would say is my experience over time has been that places have been a bit uh, variable and and a little bit volatile. Um, what I do is usually trust uh, wine growers that I know, tell mm -hmm. me who's doing good work at at any given time. Um, so in in Panzano is a, a great great Chianti Classico producer, Fontori. Yeah, and the, the winemaker, the winemaker is Giovanni Manetti. If you ask Giovanni uh, who, who's cooking well right now, he'll certainly tell you, and he, and he has good folks around that can help with that as well. Oh, that's um, a great but that, idea. that honestly, what what I, what I've found is that um, the other person I would maybe take a ride and see. There's a young woman who's a really uh, actually there there are two young women in particular that are really terrific winemakers that are an easy little drive, maybe an hour or maybe a little bit further away from Panzano, uh, one pretty directly down south in the town of Montepulciano. Mm -hmm. um, they produce Vino Noble in Montepulciano, the Sangiovese uh, from the, the cultivar called Prugnola Gentile. And, and oh, I, the producer's name is Val de Piata, uh, Val de Piata. And the young woman's name is Miriam Corporali. Miriam's a, a really brilliant young winemaker the wines are priced very fairly. Uh, you can find them some in the States now. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that she has favorites around where she is right now. And I hope to goodness to get there next spring if I can. Okay. Um, and then a, a really um, brilliant woman named Claudia Vanucci uh, is in a town, uh, Carmignano. Carmignano is down near Brunello. So probably 90 minutes or 100 minutes away uh, driving from Panzano very worth it one at uh, montocino is a, a great town to see and there are just uh, there are like three good restaurants right there on the square uh, but if you want to like you one of the best young winemakers in italy is this woman woman named uh, claudia vanucci uh, who's taken over her family's estate and uh and she's yeah that's i, I was sort of shocked by the quality because i've had wine from carmignano for 20 years and it's it's never been like what she makes. Wonderful. That's great. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for the call. Yes, I know. Let's take Susan and Bel Air. Susan, how are you? Hi, Susan. I'm fine. Uh, thank you for taking my call. So in April of 2022, next spring, my husband and I will take a rescheduled uh, river cruise down the Danube from Budapest to Nuremberg. Oh, wow. There... <laughs> Marvelous. <That's> exciting. <laughs> ah. So is there any particular wines that we should be looking to taste during this journey or uh, places, particular dishes or cuisine we should be looking to experience? Uh, this is this is a part of the world that uh, that I enjoyed a lot. <laughs> um, 
Budapest is is not a town. It, it's a remarkable town, a great one to walk. Um, there are, I did not have any dishes that I was like, wow, that's just killing me. The, the cooking is pretty is pretty rich. Very interesting. There are a couple of, and it's been a couple of years. I went to a couple of wine bars just to start to learn uh, Hungarian wine uh, when I was there. And very, very interesting stuff. Nothing's terribly expensive, uh, but 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 an interesting adventure. And if you come in, frankly, as an American into a Hungarian wine bar, <laughs> they're going to be pretty interested in sharing. And I had very good conversations with... Uh, uh, with owners in a couple of a couple of places in right in uh, the Budapest, N- north of Vienna on the 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 Danau, the Danube, uh, north of Vienna about an hour. Is the are two wine growing regions that are really important for white wine. One is the Vagram, and uh, the the best one is the Wachau, W A C H A U, and the Wachau is famous for both their their dry rieslings as well as their Grunewaldliner. Uh, and there are marvelous producers there. One particular one is Hertzberger. Uh, another to look for is Noll, K-N-O-L-L. Uh, and then there are two families named Pichler, P-I-C-H-L-E-R, uh, that, that make great wine there. So I wanted to read this one email. Thank you so much. I want to read you. this one email, Cindy, and let you react to it, and then we're going to get out of here. This question is directed towards Chef Cindy. Have you considered moving to France? If so, why or why not? Also, can you offer recommendations for first time visit to France for a foodie? Uh-huh. Uh, P.S. Listening to Chef Cindy speak about France is like listening to someone speak fondly of their first and only true love. Oh. Enjoy um, and rise to town. That's nice. So, Cindy, I, I, you got a minute. I, oh, okay. Oh, gosh. I, I always dream of, I have always dreamed of living in France. Um, I, I I would just love to live in one of the little tiny villages and uh, I just think it's so beautiful and it would be amazing to really, it's hard for me to learn a language. So I know I would learn a language if I actually lived there and then I'd actually be able to talk to people and learn what they thought about life and things. And I just think it would be great to be that person sitting on the bench in the little uh, town square and talking to the old men. Um, so uh, <laughs> I would love that so much. Um, and I forgot what the other questions were. What was uh, the other? First, first time I visited France for a France. Foodie. Where would I go? Gosh, or where would you go? Um, you know, know you're gonna you're, fly you're like you're, hundreds of places. Yeah, there's, <laughs> uh, you're gonna fly into Paris most likely. So you should at least, you know, if you if you can afford to eat at um, oh, uh, La Serre well, um, uh, or Benoit, uh, which is a great bistro. Um, uh, Le Doyen is a three star. His food is absolutely amazing. Um, I know the chef at La Serre. I'm so glad he's back. He used to be there. He left. He opened his own place. He still has his own place. And um, and uh, he is back at the restaurant and his food is incredible. And um, if you go into the other regions, um, you know, go down to Burgundy and eat in Bone at Tony's favorite, Ma Cuisine, which is one of my favorites as well. Um, Bone is such an amazing place and um yeah I, I don't have enough time to answer this question so we'll we'll answer it again maybe no. further and you can give your, we'll, your we'll, interest we'll, as well, it'll be for the cindy living in france program <laughs> but if you want to listen to this this program as a podcast or any one of our others go to the wypr website wypr.org look for the foreman wolf page and there's a whole menu of goodies there if you want to email us it's foreman wolf at wypr.org to follow chef cindy wolf on social media uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Cindy Wolf. 
on Instagram. I'm the real Tony Foreman. And hey, thanks for listening. Happy Sunday. <laughs>